Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Look, I look like Elvis. Sure. Elvis who? Stoiko. Stoiko. Figure skater. (laughs) You should have been a figure skater. I know. I could have been. I can see you doing pirouettes. Stop making fun of me. (laughs) We're off and rolling. The guys are picking on me. They're picking on me. Hi again, everybody. It's Jungle Jim Jerome coming at you with our weekly episode of Inside Curling. We do it each and every week. As you know, thanks everyone for tuning in and joining and uh, taking part in the show and and our Facebook. Lively, really lively this week. Uh, We want to thank all our sponsors. We couldn't do it without them. Jackpot City, who brings you what is happening around the curling world. Coyote Tractor, the sponsor of Hot Rock Topics. And Goldline, who brings you In the House, which is our guest spot, which we have today. We're going to interview... Bruce Mowat, fresh off a victory in Red Deer. We're always joined each and every week. I'm still not sick of them. I still enjoy them. Our world curling Hall of Famers, the one and only Warren Hansen, and of course, the other one and only Kevin Martin. Uh, I'm down in Phoenix uh, having a tough day. Remember I was telling you my daughter happens to be here and they shut the water off. The guy didn't pay his bill in the condo she's at. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Totally. Yeah, totally. The guy didn't didn't pay his power or his water bill. I got up this morning. I'm staying at a place here, and uh, the water shut off. I went, what? What? <laughs> this is the same guy owned this condo. So I'm, I'm glad we're not all together because that means you haven't had a shower. You can see I haven't had a shower. I look terrible, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, anyway, it was a little different here. They're, they're working on the water. So uh, here's what's on the show today. As I'd mentioned, Bruce Mowat's going to join us as in our guest spot in the house. Uh, the fifth Grand Slam of curling is in the books. It was the Co-op Canadian Open concluded in Red Deer. Of course, Kevin was there. We'll get some insight onto what happened. Uh, also, we started telling you about a number of provincial territorial championships were completed on the weekend for the Briar and the Scotties. We're going to have a look at that uh, and what's on tap for the next week. For the Scotties and the Briar, a wild card will be awarded to one or more teams in each of the conclusions of all the provincial territorial championships we're going to take a look at that and who grabs the final spots uh that'll be good also down in my neck of the woods in tempe there was a there was an event here here in arizona uh it's the wrench isn't it warren is that the, the golden wrench the golden wrench the golden wrench yeah <laughs> everyone's got to have a piece of straw is that what it is good <laughs> You know, that guy did many, many wonderful things in curling, and you'd say, do you know the wrench? And they would go, yeah, the guy with the straw? Yeah, they'd never mentioned. No one ever mentioned what he did. (laughs) Uh, What are we hearing? Uh, There might be a famous curling club in Scotland that might be closing, so take a look at that. There we go. In the house, we've got a guest. Bruce Mowat is coming up. He's knocking at the door. We've got to let him in. Let this guy in, for God's sake. He's one of the best curlers in the world. Goldline Curling's Momentum shoes are unbelievably comfortable with a fast, reliable slider, a gripper, 
that will keep you steady on the ice. Learn more at goldlinecurling.com. Bruce Mallett is our guest. Come on in, Bruce. How are you doing, man? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good. We were just talking off. Congratulations, by the way. You Thank just you. Uh, knocked off another victory in Red Deer. And uh, we were just talking before you came on. Kevin said, do you know what time it is? Do you know what? You're, you're whipping back and forth across the pond. How are you managing? Are you keeping your head up? Or are you going to fall asleep? Or uh, I'll, I'll manage to stay awake for this conversation, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, no, I've struggled a wee bit with jet lag this past couple of days. But I'm getting there, I think. Just kind of getting back into routines and stuff back home. So it's going to be all right. How do you guys deal with jet lag? Um, I mean, every trip's different, I guess. But I think when you're uh, out further west, it's maybe a bit harder um, when you're coming home. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, normally we just kind of take it as we as we come. And uh, yeah, it's been a bit tougher this time. Congratulations on hitting the podium. There was uh, you took a little break from winning gold medals and stuff. You were just killing it there a few months ago, and then it was like. Oh, what happened to Bruce Mowat? And what happened to Bruce Mowat? I'll tell you what happened to Bruce Mowat. Nothing. Okay, he's good. <laughs> yeah, he he won again. Uh, t- talk about that though. Was there was when you looked at that, you went a little, I guess, a little flat just from not winning. Did you have to change some strategy or what you guys did to get back on the winning side? Um, honestly, I just think it's it's becoming incredible incredibly tough to win uh these slams like there's so many good teams around and you have to have a good week just to be into the saturday and the sunday and then um for that for us this week was just a really good week for us we played incredibly game incredibly tough games all week and then played really well on the saturday and the sunday to come out with the win but yeah, I think we have struggled in the slams recently and we've actually had a pretty decent season apart from the slams, like one of Europeans and stuff. So it, we're not like m- miles away. It's just, yeah, very tough to win these slams. Yeah, people's expectations get a little unreasonable, you know. The guy plays second, they're like, oh my God, what happened? You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bruce, what did you think of us stealing David Murdoch from you guys and bringing him to Canada? Well, to be fair, I wasn't that surprised. Um, like Dave was always, I feel like he was always going to eventually try and uh, move over there. He has a young family and uh, his wife's obviously Canadian. So uh, yeah, it was sad to see him go, but um, you guys have got a really good guy in Dave. So um, yeah, you'll you'll see a lot of good things, I'm sure. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Kevin? Well, now uh, in Red Deer, they, uh, this is important stuff. Uh, the, the tokens for the bar. Um, one of them had your face on it. Did you end up? Oh, yeah. Oh, here. Yeah. <laughs> put it really close to the camera. Yeah, put, put that in. Let's close. see it again. Let's see. Yeah. Oh, well, there perfect. You go. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What a great idea. So they actually framed one for every player that was um, a part of that. So there was eight of us. So they gave us all eight tokens and put it on a frame for us, which was a really nice touch, I thought. Um, nice this has never happened before in any of the events i've ever played so yeah it was a really nice touch that they did that for us and it was um a nice wee, wee memento to take home with us people took them home as souvenirs almost just under not quite three thousand of them so is that something that maybe the events should think about doing maybe i think like so <laughs> especially if the, i think i'm not sure how much they were but i'm pretty sure they would have been like maybe a fiver or maybe more than that so yeah three thousand times 
five dollars is quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, they're seven bucks each. Yeah, seven bucks each. But did they give you a framed? I'm gonna go on here in a sec. Did they give you a framed like the eight tokens in a frame kind of thing for on your wall sort of thing or? Yeah, so I've put it in my spare room. Like it's upstairs. I could run and get it, but it's nah, basically nah, nah, like nah. a yeah, it's um, all eight of the players' faces. Who were the other players, if you don't mind, or do you remember? Myself, Brendan Butcher, Brad, Gushu, Nicholas were the men, and then there was Kerry, Rachel, Anna Hasselberg, and Sylvana Tiranzoni. Nice. nice collection. Oh, yeah, that is awesome. Good. Yeah, these guys were picking on me um, because I play pickleball. Is is pickleball something that happens in Scotland? Is that a thing? So I don't think it's called pickleball over here. It might be a different sport, but we call it something similar. Like it's called paddle. Maybe a different sport. I'm not sure. I'd, I've never really played pickleball. Or... It's kind of like a ping pong. It's kind of like a ping pong, a big ping pong paddle with a, a ball that's got holes in it. Like it's a... Okay, that's different to what I'm talking about. But yeah, um, I've never played it, but I have heard that it's kind of taking off in North America. Don't don't rush, Bruce. Okay, you're nowhere near the age old enough to play it. Okay, <laughs> so far. Hey, come on. It's it, it causes the most injuries I think to the medical system in the states because a bunch of old guys get yeah. out there, they don't loosen up, yeah. and then they then they think they're kids. I was playing. I'll let Warren in here in a second. I was playing when I was down south a couple of weeks ago uh, against. We go. It's just fun. I love it. But anyways, the guy would have been about sixty five that I'm playing against. He's really good. He actually dove. Oh, he no. actually dove for a ball. Uh, as soon as he does, like, like you get all scratched up, right? And, and he's, he's not young enough to be diving anyway. So I, after the point, I was like, what are you doing? If, if it's that important, just don't hit it and say to me, I could have got it, but I didn't want to dive. I will give you the point. <laughs> <laughs> he, Kevin, he didn't dive. He just fell over, okay? We don't... <laughs> hey, Warren, Warren, go ahead. Jeez, that was good fun. Thanks for joining us, Bruce, and congratulations on your win. And as you said, it's not getting any easier. It's getting tougher. Totally, yeah. I thought the interesting thing, and uh, I, I wrote a piece on it and put it on our Facebook group, and we're going to talk about this further, but there were three Scottish men's teams in the final eight playoff in Red Deer. Your team was the oldest at 29, White at 25, Craig at 22 is their average age. So you got three Scottish teams in the top 10 of the world. How does all this happen? Can other countries maybe learn from what Scotland is doing? Do you think that uh, there may be some changes in some other countries as to how they're developing and training their athletes? What's your thoughts on all this? Uh, yeah, I do think that it's possible for other countries to do it as well. I think for what we've done since 2017 and since our National Curling Academy has opened is create a really good atmosphere and environment in one location where we all are able to train uh, alongside each other we're obviously competitors on the ice but we're all training in the same environment and we're all putting in a lot of work to get to the top tier in curling so there's a lot of things that I think in Scotland that we're doing right it's obviously not possible for every country because of like location or like size of the country or um, these different aspects but yeah I do think it's also um, like once you see a team in your country doing well, then it inspires others to try and uh, replicate that. Um, so you never know, like with Joel and his team, what they're doing um, as an Italian team, it's probably going to encourage a lot more Italian juniors to come through. And you might see in like four or five, maybe like closer to 10 years, 
um, a lot of Italian teams coming through. You never know. Yeah, so I mentioned the three of you. It, it doesn't end there. You've got Cameron Brace, who's currently ranked number 17 in the world, and, and Kyle Waddell, and I think that's probably the youngest team of them all, number 21. And by my memory, there's a couple more. So your Scottish championship this year should be an interesting one. Um, when is it, and has it ever been tougher? Uh, so it's in two weeks' time. Uh, we're going down to Dumfries for it. And, uh, yeah, I don't think it's ever going to uh, have been as tough as this. The kind of five teams that you mentioned are obviously going to be pretty tough to beat. And then we've got, I think, another four junior teams that are coming. One of them just won the World Junior Bronze last year. And then two of the members of that team just won the Youth Olympic Gold today. So, you know, we've got a lot of junior teams coming through as well. And it's, it's really nice to see. We're obviously now the, the old team as uh, you, you yeah, you're the old guy. Right there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's funny when you're uh, being referred to as the old team. But it's just really nice to see that we've got so many really good young Scottish curlers coming through. So the juniors you mentioned are they going through the same type of system as the men and women are, or are they left to put their own teams together? How does it all work? Uh, so it's different. Yeah, we we only get a certain amount of funding from um, UK sport and national lottery funding, but there's a lot of really good kind of grassroots systems within Scotland. The Dumfries itself has one of the best ones. Um, they just have a lo- a really good um, development officer there who works a lot uh, pretty closely with schools and gets like kids coming in from an early age and then, there's other activities that they can join in on or other days, like maybe at the weekends that they can come in and curl outside of their school program. And yeah, it's just, they're probably starting off in like a regional academy and then going into a national academy. And then eventually they might be able to get into like where James is at with a performance foundation or where us and Ross are, we're called podium or podium potential. So there's kind of a tiered system right now. And I think it has worked over the last few years. Like I've been through regional, national uh, performance foundation and now into the podium. So. We heard this week that the Doers Rink in Perth was potentially going to close. What's that all about as to why that could be happening? We hear there's a huge resistance to it and maybe that decision is going to be changed. But what's your thoughts and uh, knowledge about all that? Uh, so, yeah, just for a bit of context, like the Doers Centre is pretty much one of the most central uh, and busy ice rinks in Scotland. Um, it's under threat right now, but I think they had a really good and productive meeting on Monday, um, which has kind of helped the situation and it looks like they're going to be able to stay open. The council in Perth wanted to do a development of recreational facilities and it has like a swimming pool and uh, it had a curling rink and all these things and the curling was going to be left out of that plan um, to build this thing uh, so there was a lot of kind of backlash from obviously the curlers and then you know success from previous years where like Eve winning the gold at the Olympics and being from Perth obviously had a big thing like we we're trying to obviously encourage curling to stay a part of the the Perth um, area so there was a lot of good things that um, helped the kind of negotiation with the council to be able to keep it afloat. And I believe, I don't want to talk out of turn, but I believe that the negotiations went really well and that they're 
now hopefully going to be able to build a curling part to this new building that they're um, going to be making. Uh, Bruce, you, you had mentioned this National Academy uh, that you guys have over there. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, who gets to participate? Who gets to, to be there and, and use it? So the National Academy, uh, it was a bit different. It's been a while since I was in it, but um, mm-hmm. when I was in it, it was basically you're part of, you apply for this National Academy and then you're part of uh, a group of people training in a city. So at, like I was from Edinburgh, so I was training with people from Edinburgh that were mm-hmm. part of this um, academy. So you just basically apply for it. Uh, it's run through Scottish curling, so it's different from what I'm part of now, which is British curling, mm-hmm. who gets all the funding from like uh, UK Sport and National Lottery funding, uh, where Scottish curling gets funding from their members. So all of our like uh, membership fees are paying for partly um, grassroots, and then they also get money from Scottish Institute of Sport. So there's a lot of obviously backers and funders that help with the junior programs. And then once those kind of juniors develop, they can then apply for British curling funding, which is obviously a bigger program. And it looks more into the elite side rather than just grassroots. Uh, you know, this year at the Slams, uh, Kevin, Kevin, of course, has been there. Uh, the, the crowds have been unbelievable. It seems like they've, you know, post-COVID, that people are packing the joints and having a good time. You've got your Scottish Championships, you said, coming up. What are what are the crowds like over there for for those events? Um, well, it's nothing like the slams, I guess. We're now in our third year of playing in an arena for the Scottish Championships, which is an amazing um, mm-hmm. opportunity for all of our teams over here. We used to play at Perth uh, in the Jewish Centre, and it wasn't necessarily uh, an arena, but they were able to put a stand in it, so they made it. Um, into a sort of arena for us but this time we're actually playing in a hockey rink that is developed into a curling rink for just that week it's really nice to be a part of that now and yeah it's it's done really well so there we have it bruce bruce mowat is the way you pronounce it it's spelled m-o-u-a-t a-t right okay yeah so how many mispronunciations of your name have you heard from mowat <laughs> to Mawat, to there must be. A, does it? Does everyone get it wrong, or are we or are we getting there? Where we... No, everyone gets it wrong at okay. least once. <laughs> like as to be honest, I might say it wrong. I don't even know what it is anymore. <laughs> I'm so confused by it all. So okay. um, my team just tell me it's mo- it's Mawat now rather than Mawat, but oh. who knows? You're you're good with it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's just go with Bruce. Bruce, thanks a million. Congratulations getting back on the on the winning track and uh, good luck in the next couple of weeks. And uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Go get some rest, my friend. I will do. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, Bruce. Okay. Thanks a lot. See you soon. Cheers. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. 
Uh, so there he goes. Bruce Mowat. 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 Just call me Bruce. Uh, this guy's the real. It's, it's, it's hard to believe, Kev, you're right, at 29. Scotland, as Warren pointed out, too, they, they may be. Obviously, they're coming on. But he's back in the in the winning side, Kev. Like I said, so he's not going anywhere for a while. No, and you know, and to be fair, they had quite a few injuries, right? Uh, Bobby Lammy hurt himself. Uh, Grant Hardy wasn't well for a while, so you know they've they've went through a little bit as a team. But they're all back healthy now, and they are yeah curling up a storm. So watch out in Toronto with the Players Championship. They're going to be tough, but they have their Scottish Championships, which aren't easy. Right, they're pretty deep too now. Pretty tough. Co-op Canadian Open. Ended Sunday in Red Deer. Kev, break it down for us. Yeah, so, well, the men's final was fantastic. Um, Just a couple of, I guess, if you want to call them big misses or big makes or both um, overall. The first end, um, uh, Botcher actually had a tap and and a roll behind the center guard. Could have put uh, out in a lot of trouble. Ended up, it overcurled, a bit of a line call there. Jammed at the back, got a deuce, but came right back the next end and got the deuce right back again. So it was 2-2 two, two after 2. In, in the fourth end, that was kind of game shot. Um, Botcher's team were all over Mowden 3, all over Team Mowden 4, had a half-rock double off the wall for 3, and uh, and just hit it too thick and ended up giving up a steal of 1 in the fourth. And that was kind of the, the big turning point. Botcher sitting a couple in the sixth, buried Bruce Mowat made a run back double, and then uh, Brendan missed the draw freeze, which gave Mowat the deuce. But really, the big story was the miss shot uh, in four by mm-hmm. Team Botcher. That would have, you know, they get a three in the fourth end. Uh, I think it's probably pretty much over. I think Bruce would probably agree to that. So a really good game, really good game in uh, in the men's final, women's final. Taryn Zoni steals in seven to go home two up. You think, well, that game's over. Nope. Rachel grabs a deuce and eight, steals the extra for the victory. So a massive win there. Uh, kind of, well, a bit surprising, you'd think, to grab a deuce in, in eight and then steal in, in the extra. So, But from a from the event side of things, I, I, just got off, I just got off the phone with Red Deer just a couple of minutes ago. And uh, they haven't got final numbers yet because there's still some things that have to come in yet. So they can't give uh, final totals. But one thing they did, Jimmy, which I thought was cool, is they had the tokens for the bar, like yep. uh, for drink tickets, mm-hmm. um, yep. with, a, with a curler's picture on them. Oh. And they're actually selling them in sets of seven or eight uh, of them in, in a set. And so before it started, um, we were talking about, well, how many do you think people will collect? And so they kind of budgeted on a thousand not being turned back in, like people taking them home. Oh, okay. And it turned out no, there that was definitely an under 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 bid. Um, it was almost three thousand tokens didn't come back in, oh, just under three thousand. Oh so like, and there were seven bucks a piece, so almost twenty grand made on like tokens that just didn't come back. Didn't use well, them for beer. No. Right, right. No, they took them home. Like took them home as a right, set because right, you got right, you know, right. Bruce Mountain was on one of them, and so just a great idea. So something to think about. Uh, the other thing they said is once again they don't have the complete total for me, but they just said the fifty fifties just they blew it out of the water on the fifty fifties. So that's just great. Um, the ticket sales uh, starting Wednesday at noon. Mm-hmm. Uh, every seat was sold from Wednesday at noon on to the end. There were no tickets available. Wow. Yeah, complete sellout from Wednesday at noon on to the end. And also a lot of uh, standing room 
tickets sold. So, um, Isn't yeah, that great. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to give everybody an update as to you know, kind of how they how they ran. It. Um, tons of volunteers. So, a really well run, well organized event. But they did really well at the on the financial side too. But I don't, I can't tell you exactly because they don't know yet. The interesting thing about the tokens, you know, with the Briar, there was a point in time we did that. And it always worked very well, but of course you had to buy tokens and et cetera, et cetera. And it was a little cumbersome. So along the way, people wiser than I decided to discontinue it. And uh, I find it quite remarkable that many weren't turned in. That's that's uh, amazing. I made the tokens for the 99 Briar in Edmonton, our company oh, back yeah. then. Mm-hmm. Uh, was, yeah, we had, a, we had a promotional goods company uh, back then. Still do, but but a different company then. Um, and we did the tokens. And if you remember, Warren, we actually put the faces, not yes. a colored picture yep. like it was in Red Deer, but we actually put the picture of Hex Gervais yep. and, and various top curlers coming out of the coin. Yeah, like, I have one wow, right here in my three, desk. Three-dimensional. Yep. Do you have one? Really? Yes. So yeah, that, that that was yeah that was our our group that did that actually back in '99. And but but the problem is yeah if you look at it we'll be able to show people oh, this on social right media. Yeah. yeah. And so when you look at it, you can see they didn't. One mistake we made, we didn't we they couldn't stack them All because right. the faces yeah. were coming out. <laughs> so people collected a ton of them. I don't yep. know Warren if you can dig that up for next week's show. How yeah, many? It, it was large. It was large. I, I was thinking 7,000 didn't come back. Wow. I would at think that, at least that. I, I, something like that. But anyway, it was a really good idea. I don't know if it's happened at a Briar since. Um, but it that was stopped. We, I, th- I think we just continued that probably three or four years later when uh, everybody decided it was too difficult to do. So How about, We were uh, the ones that we designed them and we made them. You just yep. had to. Yep, pick, I know. <laughs> and I delivered them. Uh, myself and, and Dan, his name's Dan Winston Taylor, a great friend. We delivered those boxes of those tokens. They were heavy, but we actually brought them in the door for you guys. Yep. So you didn't have to do any. But thing. you realize they have reduced it to the point these days, there's no longer any cash allowed in the prior patch. So you can't even use cash for currency. You've got to use uh, debit or credit. Mm. It's hard to believe Hex Gervais would fit on a coin. <laughs> he used up the whole coin yeah, he oh you know what hey guys i just went to safeway uh on my way home just just a couple minutes ago and talking about hex gervais i just ran into stan gervais oh, did you? i did just now so uh it was great to see him i hadn't seen stan for all oh, i see him once in a while probably a year though but he's looking great he's looking great and uh and what a surprise. So fantastic to just, we're going to talk about Hexer V now. And I just ran into his son just a few minutes ago. Oh, cool. Uh, I'll tell you the other thing is uh, when I was in the Briar Patch, I would have about 25 tokens a day. And believe me, none of those made it home. Okay. None of them every day. Never saved one. Okay. They all. That was good of Warren to give you 25 tokens a day. No, I oh, stole he, them. I just dug, dug my. He was supposed to give them to the clients. He told me he wasn't drinking. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That was, uh, that worked for the first eight tokens and then I got busted. Uh, there we go. Warren, give us an update on the provincial territorial playoffs. Okay. We'll do a quick rundown. There was uh, quite a few going on last weekend, and there's a lot more going on this weekend. So let's start with the Nova Scotia Tankard, because that was the only men's event that took place last weekend. So the defending champion, Matthew Manuel from Halifax, defeated Owen Purcell, 8-2 to two in an extra end. And they will now represent Nova Scotia at the Bryan Regina, the first week of March. This is for the second year in a row. And again, uh, Colleen Jones's son is on that team, so... A little bit of her legacy continuing on through her son into this year's Briar. On the Scottish side of things, 
<clears throat> Start again with Nova Scotia. Team skip by Heather Smith defeated the defending champion Christina Black by a score of 5-4 to four in an extra end. It looks like Jill Brothers is the person who's throwing last rock on that team. And guess again who the coaches of this team are. Colleen Jones and Kim Kelly. So <laughs> that's, quite, that's quite a team. The team's ranking on the Canadian team ranking system is currently number 34. So they're in from Nova Scotia. In New Brunswick, Melissa Adams defeated Sylvia Quinlan 7-4 in the final. And they now have the right to represent New Brunswick at the Scotties in Calgary towards the end of February. Melissa Adams is currently on the CTRS ranking number 46. In Saskatchewan, a newcomer, 22-year-old Skylar Ackerman, defeated veteran Nancy Martin in the final and uh, by a score of 10 to 9 in an extra end. So she will represent Saskatchewan. She's currently ranked number 11 on the Canadian team ranking system, so is doing quite well, and this is a young team just starting to come up through the ranks. Northwest Territories, Kerry Galusha defeated Sharon Cormier 8-3 in the Northwest Territories final. It'll be the 21st time that Galusha will represent NWT of the Scotties. On that team, Galusha skips, throws lead stones, and Joanne Rizzo, who is from Ontario, throws the final two rocks. Their current CTRS ranking is number 19. So there's a number of playdowns that are taking place this weekend. We'll review all those on the show next week. I'll just quickly run through who they are. In BC, the men and women are playing. Alberta, the women. Manitoba, the women. Ontario, the men and the women. Northern Ontario, men and women. Quebec, men and women. Newfoundland, men and women. PEI, men and women. Alberta's men's championship will be held February 7th to 11th. Saskatchewan, January 30th to February 4th. And Manitoba, February 5th to 11th. And those are the ones I have on my fingertips. I didn't get the other ones. There's a few more to happen, particularly in the territories uh, and smaller provinces in Atlantic Canada, but I don't have those, uh, those on my fingertips. So that's what's happening next weekend. So there you go. Good wrap-up, Warren. You've done your homework, gold star, on uh, what's happening with all it's the playdowns. Busy time of year to follow. Man, is it ever. <laughs> Kev, what do you think of all of it? Well, uh, yeah, playdown season. I, I kind of wonder, like, yeah, congratulations to all the winners. That's fantastic. And uh, go battle. I love hearing that Colleen and, and Kim, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> wonderful they're coaching. I didn't know that. So good on them. And, and uh, yeah, no, no big surprise their team won. That's a pretty strong coaching staff. But uh, wouldn't it be neat? And then maybe I'm, maybe I'm offside. Let's, let's hear from people on, on getting back to us on email. But wouldn't it be great to have all the women's provincials on one week. Yeah, yeah wouldn't it? Well, well I just, <laughs> no, but no, but as a celebration of curling, like I think it would be really good, like yep. from a marketing standpoint, to have all of, all across the entire country, the territories, all of it on one weekend. Boy, that would be awesome. And then, and then the men's too. Yep. Mm-hmm. A different week though, not the same week, a different week. Like say, say two weeks later, have all the men's provincials um, all on one weekend. It'd just be a huge festival across the country. I don't know. It seems to me that makes sense. Having it, like Warren, it's going to take how many weeks for the women's? It's three different weeks, right? Actually, the women will all be done this week. So it's virtually they've done theirs in two weekends. The, men's, the men's a little it? more diversified. I think okay, the last, so the last one is uh, going to end on February 11th, be Alberta and Manitoba. So same thing, about two weeks instead of one. Like it, it just, uh, yeah. you know, it, it'd be a lot. It seems to me Marketing 101 says have it all in one weekend and just across the whole country, just blow it out of the water. I think I think that would be great. Super but. great, yeah. Uh, Kev, when you won the province to, to get yourself into the Briar 
for the thousandth time in your career. Um, what what did you do between winning the provincial and going to the Briard w- with your team? Did you like pour it on every day? Everyone had to quit work and be at the rink all day long or what? Well, that's the thing. So we it would be about the same time as, as this year's early February, the men's provincials, and then the Briar started early March. Right. So you had about three, three four weeks between the two, um, but there weren't any events because other provinces are playing and the Scotties was playing, mm-hmm. so there was nothing in, in between. So you just had to practice um, and you know, maybe have a practice game or something. Back then, like at, uh, there were super leagues in cities that the top players played in. Right. And the players now are so darn busy running around the world that they don't usually play in leagues at their clubs. Mm-hmm. But uh, back in the day um, at the Otwell Curling Club, which is still going strong, um, we had the, the Super League there for many, many, many years. And then and then it moved around, but um, it doesn't, it still kind of exists, but not like it did. It used to be a really strong league. And mm-hmm. that would give you a chance to play once a week and then practice around that, Jim. Um now it's 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 tough. Like we need to have more events in the February March yes uh, calendar right. uh, around the world. Um, in talking to Unjun Kim, I'm getting off a little bit off line here, but what the heck? In talking to their uh, their manager um, Miles, heck of a nice guy, went for dinner with them uh, the weekend before Red Deer, and they played Red Deer, and then they were flying from Red Deer to play an event in Switzerland. And then they're done, and, and unless they're in the worlds. Mm-hmm. But then, that, but it can't be Kim and Gim, right? Only one of them can be in the worlds. Well, the other one has nothing to do until the players' championship. So there's a real void in there for the world's yeah. best, especially women's teams mm-hmm. and men too, but really women. Uh, we we need an event in March uh, desperately for for women, a world uh, caliber tour style event in in March. Um, for for the for females, it's a really really important. I think to be able to keep everything growing, you know, just keep 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 the young well, teams able to play in these events and so on. Right. I think we need an event for both men and women at that level in February and March, because these playoffs when they start rolling, they don't involve a lot of teams, and as a result, a lot of these teams end up sitting idle uh, through the time of year when they should be very active. So it's like many other things, it needs to be turned upside down and shook a bit. <laughs> well, yeah, especially the young ones, especially the young ones, yes. Warren, yep. because the, the older player who's, you know, like a Brad Guju and, you know, you got Mark Kennedy and these guys are like, they're older, but they're so smart and good that they generally win. And it's the young ones coming up yep. who we need to make sure they have events to play in right till the end of April. We need yep. to keep them busy so they ha- can catch up quicker. Um, kind of in the case of, of Scotland where their athletes are, they're, they're in their 20s, for goodness sakes, and they're, they're so good already. We need to be able to build our Canadian athletes that quickly and that young. And it's hard to do when you have the older group winning all the time. In February, March, there's nothing to do here. Hey, Grand Slam of Curling, are you listening to this? Maybe to put another event in. <laughs> hmm? Hey, G-Sock. Okay, let's throw another spiel in there somewhere. Very good, Kevin. Uh, Warren, you're back on both the Scotties and, and Briar. Uh, they need to determine one more spot. It's a wild card in each of the men's and women's championship. What's it looking like, Warren? Well, let's talk about this because this is quite fascinating as to how this is unfolding. So these are results are as a result of last Monday. So it's as current as I can put my hands on. But let's take a look at the top three on the Canadian team ranking system. Holman, Jones, 
Anderson. They're already all in the Scotties. Mm-hmm. Number four is Caitlin Laws. If she wins Manitoba, she's in. But if she doesn't, she'll be the wild card. Caitlin wins Manitoba. We then look to number five. That's Selena Sturme. If she wins Alberta, Caitlin wins Manitoba. We'll then look at number six, Daniel Inglis. Right now, she's on track to potentially win Ontario. So, Laws wins Manitoba. Sturme wins Alberta. Inglis wins Ontario. We now go to number seven, Corinne hmm. Brown, BC. And she's currently doing quite well in the BC playoffs. <laughs> so, so, who's next? We, so, this is interesting. So, now we go to number eight, which is Kate Cameron. Oh, and so if uh, Laws, Sturmey, Inglis, and Brown all win their provinces, number eight, Kate Cameron, will be the selection. So I think it's very unique. It would be the first time ever that you would have even the top seven ranks, never mind top eight in the Scotties. So that's pretty fascinating. Which is your dream come true, Warren. You've always said, let's get the best teams in there. Hmm? Yeah, hmm? We're, getting, we're getting closer to that. So let's look at the men. It's, uh, it's pretty equally as interesting. So number one and number two. Butcher Gushu, they're in. Then now we go to number three, Kevin Cooey. If he doesn't win Alberta, he'll take that spot. But if he wins to Alberta, we'll then go to number four, Matt Dunstan. He's already in. But now we have a situation here where Dunstan is not going to be in the Manitoba playoff, but Crothers will be. He's number five. So if he wins Manitoba, he'll be in. If he doesn't, he will take that spot. But let's assume that Cooey wins Alberta and Crothers wins Manitoba. We now go to Mike McCune, number six. He could win Saskatchewan, <laughs> okay? okay? Which yeah. now we go to Aaron Selinski, number seven. Um, if Cooey doesn't win Alberta, Selinski could. So he could be in there. And then we go to number eight, Ryan Kleiter, Saskatchewan. That's about as deep as we can go because either him or McCune will win Saskatchewan, I think, not both of them. Holy so, cow, though. That's, this so is again, amazing. We could, we could go as deep as number eight on the ranking system. We'll also be in the briar. So, and look who gets left out if that was to happen. Const- Karsten Sturme is number nine. Don't give up, fellas. You may wake up and go, God, we're 18th in the rankings. That's okay. We got a shot at the briar. <laughs> so I, I think this is because of what they've done to modify the, uh, the briar, uh, as far as wild cards are concerned, this could be the... First time in Briar and Scotty's history that we see probably as high as the number seven or even eight, eight ranks all in the event. So safe to say, Kevin, this might be the thickest and best field ever in a long time? Well, if, if certain things happen, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is great. Well, It's perfect to have all the best teams in your national championship. So you get the strongest possible team to the world championship and have a chance to get on that podium. So great. Cool, man. Uh, Warren, you're still on. There was the event here I talked about in Tempe, Arizona. The Ed Wernick Golden Wrench Classic. Uh, And it brings in a lot of teams, Warren. Well, it did. It brought in some pretty good teams from from Canada. And I'll just go through who the final four were to give you some idea. So John Epping was in the fours, Ontario. Karnston Sturme from Alberta. John Schuster, one of the top teams in the United States. Ryan Coulter from Saskatchewan. And in the end, Sturmey played Schuster in the final, and Sturmey won 7-2. So that Sturmey team is another one that's starting to make its uh, presence known. Not the first time we've heard his name. Yeah, right. Well, there you go. That's what's happening around the curling world.
Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Next Hot Rock Topics brought to you by Coyote Tractor. If you have work to do, Coyote has the tractors, the UTVs, ZTRs, and compact construction equipment to do it. Coyote, we dig dirt. It was noted uh, this past weekend in Red Deer at the Grand Slam of Curling event that Scotland had three men's teams in the event, which was cool. With two of them reaching the final eight, the really interesting point is the age of all these three teams. Team Mallet, average age 29. Team White, average age 25. And Team Crike, average age 22. Good God, they still have homework to do. They're so young. <laughs> uh, so, Warren, how's that compare with the obvious question? Canada's average age. Well, before I get to that, let's talk about, that isn't the end of Scotland. There's another young team there, Cameron, or pardon me, Kyle Waddell. They're number 21 in the world ranking system, and it's also part of the uh, Scottish uh, system. Mm -hmm. Cameron Bryce, another Scottish team in there, he's number 17, but he's outside of the system. Uh, so he's doing very well also. But then we look at Canada, and again, those are young teams. Of our top five men's teams, I'm not going to talk about the women because it'll get confusing, but it's similar. There are two players who are 26 years old and one who is 29. The rest are all over 30, and many of them over 40. I'll give me an example. The botcher average age is 37. Gushu is 42. We look to the U.S. side. Again, they got two teams that are pretty much in that category as well that are doing well. Corey Dropkin, their average age is 31. But the Casper team that's just showing on the horizon now, they're 24. If we look at uh, some of the other teams at the world level, Joel Rotanas is 41, but the team average age is 31. The Swaller average age is 30. And there are two or three younger teams right behind those guys in Switzerland as well. Ramsfell is 29. So, interesting about Scotland. So, who developed the Scottish teams? David Murdoch, through training camps, selection, and placement of the players. Um, and it's kind of interesting. I, I did some research as to what exactly happens in Scotland as to how they select these teams. And uh, it's quite fascinating as to the fact that they can apply to go into these selection camps that they do. And I think these camps last a, a couple of weeks. They evaluate them, uh, and this was directly from British Curling. They evaluate them on a number of areas, including statistics, sweeping, strength training, fitness, etc. And at the end of it, they select two teams, two men, two women, to be part of the actual national program. And there's no guarantee to anyone when they go into this process, that they will be positioned with any particular team. So it's interesting what they're doing. Um, and to where that's all going to go, are, is Canada ever going to start to move in that direction at all? I mean, I go back to 1987 with the Olympic trials that we held for the Olympics in Calgary in 88. And there was some experimenting done with this very idea uh, for the trials that were held in April of 87, Eight teams, four went through the traditional process of what they had won for the previous two years, four went through selection camps. 
Uh, in the end, the finals of the trials for both men and women, there was one selection camp team and one team that went through the regular process. In the end, the selection camp team, Winlinda Moore, won on the women's side, and the traditional way, Luka, which won on the other side. But what's really interesting, the survey that was done following that, and Kevin, it was Rob Kreps who actually conducted that survey, so he's probably pretty up on this. 75% of the players said they liked the selection process. Yet, because of the negative <laughs> activity that took place around the whole thing through the media and a few of the old boys, everybody was afraid to continue it, and it got dropped. I don't know if there was any negativity. I don't remember Ed Wernick being mad about it at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of the golden wrench, yeah. right? We're speaking of the golden wrench. I don't oh. think he, uh, Ed was not uh, a fan of that system. Well, he wasn't the only one. He was the vocal one. But, I mean, there was a whole bunch of the old boys who kind of, you know, a bunch of them chose not to go near that selection camp process. And they didn't say a lot, but, uh, you know, you knew what they were thinking, right? <laughs> well, Everyone knew what Ed Wernick was thinking. He <laughs> yeah, just you didn't have to it. guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were always a couple of words that Ed used, the inter international uh, words. All, all that being said, Warren, about the age, you know, Gushu's winning everything and he's over 40. Cooey's, you know, up there. Botcher's up there. Great curlers, but I guess you're saying we need to develop the younger ones. Well, okay, let's look at five years from now, Jim. Let's look at these Scottish teams who are all in their 20s now. So Gushu and Cooey, they're all going to be retired by that point in time. Who in Canada is going to replace them, and what's their experience going to be going against these Scottish teams and some of the other ones in the world that are up playing at the top level now? Is this our first fight? I disagree. <laughs> I'd like to, I just got to say, Botcher is not, I don't know if he's getting up there, Jim. Right. I think, I think Brendan's 32. I think yeah. so. like, I got still a pretty young guy, but, but his team though, his team uh, with Mark and Ben yeah. on it, yeah. you know, that certainly raises uh, the age up, but Brendan's going to be around a long, long time yeah. still. Yeah, but you so got, but to, to, to Warren's point though, I think what your point is, is people like Sturme, who's really, really good, hasn't had a chance really to get on the stage yet because like, you know, he goes down to the U.S. event, the Golden Ranch, and he wins it. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't get the slams very much or maybe not at all yet. So you know what I mean? It's to, yeah, like they're not getting the exposure to the big events like the young Scottish teams. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Five years is a long way down the road, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a note. I'm going to say I proved Warren wrong. All the old guys are still winning. Um. <laughs> <laughs> In their 50s, Jim? <laughs> There you go. That was Hot Rock Topics. What are we hearing? We are hearing that one of the most famous curling rinks in the world looks like the DeWares Ice Rink in Perth, Scotland, is possibly going to close. What's that all about, Warren? Well, that was an interesting uh, social media post came out towards, I guess it was the end of last week, that uh, the city council of Perth and Kinross had decided to tear down the old building that housed the Dewar's Rink in Perth, and they're going to build a new multiplex, and curling wasn't going to be part of it. And uh, there's been a huge uh, outcry in Scotland through various sectors since then. What I'm seeing in social media now that the council might reconsider. But one more time, I mean, I remember Bruce Mowat talking to us about a year ago that uh, the rinks in Scotland, in which I believe there's about 15 or was, that he saw them going down the line having a huge issue going forward because, again, guess what? The cost of hydro was getting completely out of reach. There was another rink closed about a year ago in Glasgow, the Brayhead, 
which Kevin and I are both familiar with, and that was the only rink in Glasgow. So there's nothing over there anymore. So it's another wake-up call as to not just in Canada, but around the world, uh, everybody would just start to get their attention to to focused on making sure that these rinks, clubs are going to be able to continue and that hydro has to start to become a topic of discussion by everyone because it's going the cost of it's going to go right out of sight, I think. You remember that rink, Kev? In Glasgow, I haven't been there in years and years and years. When did they close, Warren? The Glasgow. Uh, the last year was the last year. That was oh. Richard's. That was Richard's operation, right? Oh, is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been a long time, Jimmy, since I was there. But yes, yeah, I remember being there for sure. Yeah, when it comes to clubs closing down, I think that's uh, certainly something we got to worry about. The Avenir Curling Club in Edmonton, where I made ice, where my dad made ice, and where my great grandfather made ice, uh, they're selling off their assets, so I don't think they're opening again. And that was a really wealthy club up to just a few years ago. You know, I think uh, there's lots of things that need to be looked at. The the management of these clubs is very important. Um, clubs that are doing well are doing very well. And the clubs that aren't, um, aren't at all. So, you know, there's uh, certainly some some help needed when it comes to the management of these facilities and, and building new ones. We need to get... You know, some some business people building new facilities, but I'm not sure lone standing curling clubs make sense. They should be combined with summer activities, and then that way you can have a big banquet facility in the building and and a proper uh, catering setup and and all of that uh, year round twelve months. It's really hard for a curling club who's going to be closed in May, June, July, and August to be able to pay to Warren's point all the hydro and all the costs when you're closed and not making money. Yeah, this idea of only being open uh, six months a year. And the other interesting thing, you know, the Avenir is a good example. That's along a very busy uh, road, street, and uh, nobody seems to be selling the naming rights to their buildings. I mean, you you sell the naming rights to the Avenir and put it on the uh, flashing, uh, it's neon sign on the, I guess it would kind of be the northeast corner of that building. Man, there'd be a lot of uh, people see that sign in the course of a year. Yeah, you're so, right across from Nate. Which right is across a, from a Nate. I mean, it's a, many, many thousands yeah. of people. And that, uh, that's a that's 18th Avenue, isn't it? Goes by there. Uh, it's actually Princess Elizabeth on on its way to 118th. But Kingsway's Mall's right behind it. No, Kingsway Mall is a crazy place. The uh, sponsorship value of, of signage on that building would have to be worth something cons- significant. And, and why none of them seem to go this way, I've suggested it before, I, I don't quite understand. Anyway, maybe it's education. Uh, I'll tell you what you do then. So those curling rinks that shut down this summer, Kev, take, obviously the sheets come out, throw in some pickleball courts, and I yep. guarantee you, you'll have a big crowd coming in there. Right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Pickleball's crazy. Yeah. Uh, boys, take it easy. Uh, Kevin, thanks a lot. We'll be back next week with another episode of Inside Curling. I'm the only guy of you guys who came to Phoenix. Uh, the temperatures was uh, plus six yesterday. It was colder here than it is for Warren, and it's been raining for two days. <laughs> In Phoenix. <laughs> Jesus, man. It's kind of about the same weather here, Jim. You should yeah. come to Vancouver. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> hey, Phoenix, this just in. It's a desert. Okay? It's a desert. We'll talk to you later, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll see you next week.